This is Radio Maria, and this is our Credo program for this evening. This evening, we will have with us the director of Missio, Father Anthony, and he'll be sharing with us all about the newly beatified, uh, blessed Pauline Jericot. Father Anthony, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Good evening, uh, Helena, and good evening to all your listeners there. Thank you, all of you, for giving us time and listening to what I hope to to show you is the effects of the life of a remarkable young woman who lived uh, just over 200 years ago, who still has much to teach us, especially with regard to mission. And I'll say a little bit about that. Now, I say that as a missionary myself, because I'm a Mill Hill missionary. I've worked in Kenya and South Africa and have done other things, including helping to form missionaries at our seminary. And now I am blessed by being the national director of Missio. Missio is another name for Pontifical Mission Societies. So we are the popes, but it's simply there are lots of ways of expressing this, but we are the popes, therefore the church's organization for promoting mission across the world. So every country has missio, it's part of the church, it's part of the church structure. And uh, this was founded, or should we say the principal founder of our mission societies is Pauline Jericho. Now, Pauline was born into a very troubled world. You know, we we know that uh, our world is extremely troubled, uh, full of violence and of hatred and division. And uh, it's nothing new, really. Uh, unfortunately, we never seem to learn from history, do we? Pauline Jericho was born at the end of the French Revolution, which was, as you'll remember from your history lesson, from 1789 to 1799. Uh, so she was born just at the end of that in 1799 into a France, born in Lyon in France, into a France that was in total turmoil due to the revolution. And that turned society upside down and separated the church from state. And then there was a process of de-Christianizing France, believe it or not, that went on in some years, where the forces of secularism um, persecuted the church, uh, confiscated property, and tried to suppress its mission and message. So she was born into that sort of environment, born to a wealthy family, not a poor family. Uh, Her father was a silk merchant in Lyon, Uh, which was a centre of the silk industry at that time. And uh, she lived a a very privileged life. She was well-educated and was brought up in the Catholic faith and followed all the the, uh, the stages of becoming um, an adult Catholic. And she, she came to a point where mission kind of, uh, she developed a passion for it. There's no other word for it. I'm going to use that word quite a lot this evening. She developed a passion for mission. This was fueled by several events in her life. And her brother, Phileas, also had a passion for mission. And he, he was very close to her. And they obviously talked about mission all the time and prayed about it and sought guidance from the Lord. How are we going to, how are we going to help mission? How are we going to support mission? Well, Felix decided he wanted to go off to seminary, become a priest, and be a missionary in in the Orient, in China. He never made it to China, by the way. His story is another another wonderful story. He didn't make it. In the end, he became uh, too sickly and therefore couldn't go to the missions, and he died. Back to Pauline. Pauline had an idea that if we gather people together in groups of 10, and we meet regularly, we contribute uh, a few pennies each, because she was inviting, I think the first members of her first group were from the factory which was owned by her father. 
And if we meet and pray for mission, for the missionaries and for the mission of the church, and contributed just a few pennies each, then we will be able to support the whole missionary work of the church. Now, she faced fierce opposition. Uh, you would think with such a simple idea that people would be very supportive and encouraging, and I'm sure many were, but from within the church, I'm afraid to, to report, and outside the church, she was maligned and was uh, scandalized and all manner of evil things done against her in order to stop her with this movement. Because this movement of small groups praying for mission and missionaries, contributing just a few pennies, it, it spread like wildfire. When the group reached 10, it would split, and in one way or another, they would start other groups. So that simple sort of process of um, experiencing the goodness in the group and then going off and starting your own group. Now this continued until in 1822, this was formed into the Association for the Propagation of the Faith, the APF, as I'm sure many of uh, the listeners now this evening will recognize APF. If they know anything about Redbox, they know it's all about APF. That's 200 years ago. 200 years ago was the founding of the Association for the Propagation of the Faith. What does the APF do? The APF supports all missionary work across the world. So it helps bishops run dioceses that are very young or very poor, in need of help, um, supporting missionaries, building convents, churches, parish halls. We're unashamedly Catholic, by the way. We ask our Catholic faithful to contribute towards the growth of the Catholic Church and its mission and its ministry throughout the world. Uh, we help and support uh, seminaries across the world, uh, training of sisters, uh, catechists, a very important part of the church, catechists in many mission areas, the backbone of the of, of the missionary movement, uh, because they live among the people, they're, they're part of the the people's culture and can uh, operate very well there. So, you know, she um, she was just remarkable. And a little bit later, I'm going to talk about what all this can say to us now. As the founding mother of pontifical mission societies, and of which APF is the kind of the big, the big brother, big sister of it, um, we remember her for that, but you know, she did many other things. She promoted the living rosary. She, she formed also groups of people who would uh, pray the rosary in part uh, for the renewal of the faith, especially in France at that time. And she had a real heart for the poor from the very beginning. Although she came from well-to-do background and lacked nothing, certainly in her early years, she, she always had a heart for the poor. And she obviously knew that God's concern, uh, God's passion was to help the poor and to alleviate their suffering. And she, at one stage, wanted to create a, a factory that would um, help the workers to be paid justly and looked after justly and correctly. But she was cheated out of that project. The person she trusted cheated her, stole the money, and she became bankrupt. And in the end, when she died, she was officially uh, declared as, as, as a pauper. She had a special certificate that showed that she was, in fact, um, penniless. So it was an unhappy end to a magnificent life. And that's so often characteristic of the saints. So maybe we can just... Um, spend a little few moments just thinking about that, that just those bare facts that I've shared with you of her life, um, just to pay tribute to her for her courage, for her bravery, for her holiness, for her perseverance, for her goodness that has enriched the church and whose legacy we still enjoy today.
let's just pause for a moment and perhaps we could have uh, some some music just to help us reflect on that Lord, make me an instrument of peace an instrument of peace where there is hatred let me so love where there is darkness let me so light for in the giving we shall receive and in the dying we're given light Lord make me an instrument of peace an instrument of peace Credo, and for today's Credo, we have Father Anthony, director of Missio, and he's been sharing with us the history of Pauline Gericot. And now we hand the microphone back over to Father Anthony. Thank you, Helena. So I've tried just to give you just a sketch of of her life and her contribution. By the way, if you go to our missio.org.uk website. Uh, you can read more about her, and of course, you'll find other articles across across uh, the internet. Now, I wonder whether we could just think a little bit, because, you know, in talking about someone who lived 200 years ago, we say, well, that's wonderful. She was a wonderful person, a great person, a holy person, and was beatified this year. I was actually at the beatification mass. It was absolutely a splendid occasion, but deeply spiritual. There were probably about 15,000 people crowded into a huge hangar-like hangar -like, uh, exhibition center. There was no other space as big as that in Lyon. And it was beautifully organized and deeply moving, I have to say. Um, I'm happy to say. And it really is testament to the sort of influence that she still has on those who understand her legacy. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit now. Because saints are there to inspire us. Uh, we are called to imitate the saints. And as God calls us to be, to be perfect, uh, to strive for perfection, which of course none of us achieves in this life, but the striving for perfection, to be the genuine, missionary disciple of Jesus Christ is what we are called to be and to work at. So what do we learn from Paul in Jericho? First of all, you know, I don't know about you, but I often just take my faith, my Catholic faith, for granted. Um, sometimes I think we we don't realize the treasure that is hidden deep within us and around us. 
the mystery of God's kingdom all around us, within us. The presence of God in our lives and the lives of others in creation. Uh, it's a wonderful faith. And it's all based on Jesus Christ, on his message, the good news. Uh, the good news that has to be joyful. It's good news, always good. Good news that we are loved for who we are and called to be ourselves at our best. Uh, we are forgiven and called to forgive. We're told that if we want to find peace, we have to be uh, forgiving and loving. And the message is enormous. It's broad and as deep as it is broad. It is the good news and that we should treasure that and that we should introduce other people not to a set of proposals and propositions and recommendations, but to a person, to a person, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, present among us. And I think Pauline Jericho could not have done what she did and put up with what she with all her suffering, um, without that deep and profound relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the heart of the treasure. We're called to develop that relationship all through our lives. And sometimes we go astray. And we can always come back. Always. Now, that's good news. Jesus never leaves us. We may turn our backs on him sometimes, um, metaphorically, but he doesn't leave us. Pauline Jericho knew all of what I said, and she lived it. She lived it. And that leads us, as it did her, to, here comes the word, passion. Passion for mission. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, who is passionate for mission himself, absolutely, talks, talks all the time about having a passion for mission. This is what, what it means to be baptized. We know we are all missionaries through our baptism. Once we have received the faith and the opportunity for that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, um, then there has to be something within us that says, I've got to share this. I've got to bring it to other people. And it's okay if they reject it. I, I, listen, I'm not responsible for that. But I'm responsible for sharing it as best as I can, best possible way. And I can do that in lots of ways. I don't have to go to the ends of the earth. Some will have to, to, to proclaim the gospel. I can do it from home. I do it here, and I can support uh, the mission and missionary movements and uh, those who do go abroad, perhaps, and work, and those who are abroad, uh, becoming missionaries, learning how to share the mission of the church, which is to bring people to Jesus Christ. So a passion for mission and for people. Passion for mission for people. And I think if we examine our own relationship with Jesus Christ, we know that we just can't keep it to ourselves. That's all it means. Passion means just the energy, the sacred energy within us that causes us to share and to risk. And that moves me to the next thing we can learn from Paul in Jericho, and that is that uh, this all sounds wonderful, and it is, but it ain't easy. Don't we know that? And suffering comes our way, as it did to Pauline, all manner of suffering. Uh, I may have mentioned before that, that she went through several very serious illnesses, uh, one on the verge of, I think, on the verge of death, really. And she um, she uh, came through it all. And she never lost her faith. She persevered with her passion for mission and for people, especially for the poor. So, she tells us, uh, when things get tough, uh, and they will, then, then stick at it. Stick at it. See it through. Because you're doing God's work. You're imbued with God's Spirit. You're given the power of the Spirit. 
You are witnesses. You are witnesses. You know, this year for Mission Sunday, which is on the 23rd of October, when the whole church prays for mission and uh, offers charity, have a collection for the missionaries mission of the church. The Holy Father took this year's theme as you shall be my witnesses. And if you go to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8, is you shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. She witnessed, Pauline Jerica witnessed to her faith and was prepared to suffer for it. And that perseverance has brought immense, abundant fruit for the last 200 years. And what does that, where does that leave us? What can I do? You know, how, what can I do in this world to help with the spreading of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? What can I do? Well, again, Paul in Jericho teaches us that small acts of generosity, blessed by God, can change the world. Let's go back to her starting groups, just starting groups to pray for missions, pray for missionaries, and to collect a little bit of money that people can afford that together will, will help the spread of the gospel. It's a simple idea, very simple, and it works. It worked, still does work. So none of us, including myself, can never say, I can't do anything to help this. There's always something we can do. And if that is blessed by God, it helps to change the world. So I think Pauline Jericho's witness, her passion for mission, her, her deep relationship with Jesus Christ, and just her ability to try things and risk things and to, to stick, stick at it. If we are to continue that legacy, which we intend to, by the way, if we are, then I think those characteristics will see us through. I have an experience of being a missionary in a foreign country, and I loved it. My first mission was in Kenya when I went there in 1981, a very different Kenya then to the one that we have now. And there were times I thought, you know, what am I really doing here? What, what, am I making any difference? Am I, am I being an obstacle maybe to the coming of God's kingdom? Um, could I be better used at home? All these kind of questions are all healthy questions. But you know where the answer to those came from? It's from the people. Because as soon as I asked those kinds of questions, something would happen where the people would somehow say, Father, we appreciate your being here. We like what you're doing and you bring us joy and you bring us something of the gospel, something of the faith you teach us. You help those kinds of things. Not in spectacular ways, simple ways. Please, not... not these are not extraordinary things, just simple things, ordinary things that we can do. And that uh, through which, like Paul and Jacob, through which God can work. It's God doing the work. God is doing the converting. God is in charge. We are happily his instruments. As we heard in the last song, we are his instruments of peace, of justice, of goodness, of kindness, instruments of forgiveness, instruments of bringing people together, just as Pauline Jericho brought people together, not just in Lyon, not just in France or across Europe, but across the world. And on that note, I would suggest that we would have as a little bit of a 
music break and something to continue to inspire us. any questions or reflections that you would like to share with us your community or with father anthony perhaps you have experience of missionary work perhaps you have been a witness do share your story with us the number is 0122 
This is Radio Maria and this is Credo. Today we have had Father Anthony, the director of Missio, speaking to us about the witness that Pauline Gercot, blessed Pauline Gercot, has given to the world way back 200 years ago with her small groups, with small pennies, to becoming a movement for the church, supporting missionaries from around the world. Father Anthony, can I ask a question? Surely. You you said she promoted, uh, she had the heart for the poor and she tried to make this factory. But you said she also promoted the living rosary. And that perked up my ears. And I I thought, what is a living rosary? Uh, Could you share with us what that is? Yes, uh, it was a movement that she started, which was... uh, uh, Different groups would pray a decade of the rosary regularly, and uh, that would be for the intentions of renewal of the faith in France, and I'm sure she added also something about mission in that. So it was just another example of her ability to bring people together in prayer, because I do wish to here emphasize that she started with prayer. This was not initially, or even now, today, primarily a fundraising organization. Her intention was not just to raise money. I would say that's even secondary, certainly secondary to coming together, praying together, and um, then after that, some material help. The focus was prayer. And we tried to emphasize that, Helena, ourselves, Missio, uh, with our red boxes and all those wonderful people who are very generous to to the work of Missio and to the supporting mission, um, we say, first of all, uh, it's prayer that will do it. Prayer focuses our hearts and minds on what's important. And prayer is is a way not... Prayer is not there to change God's mind or to remind God of what God should be doing because God knows exactly what God's doing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It focuses us. And through that, the grace of God can, can motivate us, can move us and move mountains, you know. Uh, so prayer is absolutely essential in, in, in the whole missionary movement of the church. And we need, we need financial help because we need to support people and... Uh, build structures and support organizations that are doing missionary work. So that's that's part of it, but it's at least an equal part, if not secondary. Focus on what is important and the rest will come. And what is important is our relationship with God, trusting that God will show us the way forward, will empower us, as we heard in reading of Acts, 1.8, give us the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and proclaim the good news. I suppose that's one a cynical person could say, ah, oh, do we still need missionaries in the world today? I mean, wouldn't it be better if we sent in, like, water irrigation, uh, uh, economic structure, small business loans, all these things? Where where does prayer, why, why are we starting with that, with the missionary work? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think, as you nicely said, it is bringing that good news so then then... The people can be uplifted. Oh, not the people. It's not like we're uplifting them out of, but it's 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 getting them focused and letting them trust in the Lord too is a big big step in bettering one's life. Is just handing your life over to God. Yeah, yeah. I think your 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 question is is, is one that many people ask. Why do we send missionaries abroad still in this day and age? Uh, are we not intruding in the culture? Wouldn't they be better used in development projects? Uh, anyway, all that goes together, really, Helena. That all goes together. Let me give you an example. When I was in Mongolia uh, three years ago, it's the youngest church in the world. It's just 30 years old this year. And there are about 120 missionaries there. It's quite a small, huge country, small population. Anyway, um, there are some... Mother Teresa's sisters there, missionaries of charity, 
and they look after, they decided they, they, they go there as missionaries, but they go there to share God's love. So what they say is, we see the needs of the people, we respond to that, and then we do that because that's the right thing to do. And then people may ask, why do we do it? Why are we here? Why are we in Mongolia? Why are we living in such a difficult climate, far from home, obviously not making money, but living in poverty, but helping the people? Uh, they do that, by the way. Uh, they, they run uh, some homes for old people who have been abandoned. Old people who have been abandoned. People in the street of uh, Ulaanbaatar, the capital. Uh, they take them in and give them a safe and loving home. They do that uh, without expecting anything back from them. They do that pure service, as Mother Teresa is well known for. Pure service, because that's what God wants. But as they say, sometimes people will come to us and say, why are you here? Why are you doing this? We don't understand. And then they say, this is the point when we point to the cross, and we say we are here because Jesus Christ sent us here. We are here in the name of Jesus Christ to share God's love with you. So you see what's happening, both, both service of those in need, which is what Jesus did. Jesus looked at the needs of the people first, unconditionally forgave, healed, lifted up, raised, uh, unconditionally. And then he gives the challenge, he says, now, what about it? What about it? Hmm? What about God in your life? Uh, are you going to, to accept the good news I bring you? Some did, some didn't. But the two go together. So all missionaries are involved in helping people one way or another. I don't know of a single missionary I've ever met, man, woman, priest, sister, layperson across the world, who in their missionary work isn't conscious, or should I say listening, you must listen to the needs of the people. Not what we think they need, it's what they will say they need, and respond to that. And that will demonstrate the love of God in action. Amen. So that answers your, your question, but it's, it's all wrapped up together. And you know another thing, we missionaries don't, and it always shocks people when I say this, but if I explain it, they all agree. Uh, we don't go to convert people. We cannot convert people. God converts them. God is the one. The power of the Holy Spirit is the one who causes people to, to uh, if they agree, it's free will, if they agree, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, you can't force someone to follow Jesus Christ. You can't force someone to, to believe in, in Jesus risen from the dead. It's, it's a mysterious process that comes only from God. What we do as missionaries always is to provide the opportunities for people to hear and see and experience the saving power of Jesus Christ, to hear the gospel, to know the good news. It's a right that everyone has to hear the good news. And then in freedom to choose for it or to be inspired by it or to be led by the Spirit of God in, in, in the directions towards becoming uh, members of the church. And we rejoice in that. And it, there, there always are. Uh, missionary progress has been fantastic across the world over the last few hundred years and will continue to be. But there are still huge swathes of the world where... Jesus is unknown. They don't even, they've never heard the name Jesus, let alone his message, let alone uh, experienced his, his, uh, his presence, his love, his saving power. So we still have an enormous task in front of us. Now, Helena, I'll tell you where that comes from. It's not because Father Anthony says, oh, well, of course he would say that as a missionary. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. You go to Matthew's Gospel at the end. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. End of Matthew's Gospel. It doesn't say, 
uh, well, maybe sometimes go see how you feel. Uh, <laughs> if it's convenient, well, go and go and uh, say something, but don't offend anyone. Don't um, don't uh, trouble anyone too much. Well, we don't want to offend people, by the way, but uh, you know what I mean. No, he says, go, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. End of Mark's gospel. Go out to the whole world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Again, clear command, clear command. Luke's gospel, in his name, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached to all nations. You are witnesses to this. There's that word again, witnesses, witnesses. We witness to our faith. That's how we proclaim it. Actions. The old adage, of course, actions are better than words. Of course they do. They always have, always will. Beautiful words, we have plenty of those, and words can change people up to a point. But when they see action, when they see us living up to our beautiful words, that's when they're inspired. That's when they're attracted. Attracted. It's a word that uh, the Holy Father uses a lot. Uh, mission is about attracting people to Jesus Christ. And let Jesus do the rest by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of the Father. And John's Gospel. John's Gospel. Um, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So the question of having the authority, the responsibility, perhaps is a better word, to go to all nations to proclaim the Gospel is not negotiable. Mm. How we do it is always negotiable because times change, situations change, understanding of mission has changed. Vatican II thankfully brought a whole new understanding to, to mission, um, bringing in the idea of interfaith dialogue, of respecting other cultures, of listening rather than trying to impose all these healthy movements um, founded in the, the highest authority of Vatican II. Um, so the way we do mission has changed, but the, the command, responsibility, the authority comes from Jesus Christ himself. And that's, um, that's good enough for me. What about you, Helena? Well, it certainly Pauline herself certainly lived out through her actions through those encounters, even with small groups, certainly did make disciples of many. What's the next steps for for her? <laughs> she's she's been she's now blessed, right? So, what happens right. next? I knew you or someone was going to ask that. <laughs> am, I, am I an expert on the process of canonization? Guess what? No, but I have I have some idea of what it's about. So, in short, there are four stages. One is, on a local level, someone uh, promotes her cause, perhaps a group does, perhaps a bishop does, brings it to the attention of the bishop, and they gather information about that person. It's, a, it's, quite a, it's an exhaustive search for, for the candidates' writings, the speeches, the sermons, if that's applicable, uh, just a, a real investigation. And if that is accepted by Rome at the lowest level, then you become a servant of God, servus Dei, servant of God. That's the first stage. Second one is venerable, which really means heroic, heroic in virtue. So the Pope then comes into the picture and is consulted about the person the candidate who has shown that he or she has been um, to a heroic degree, an heroic degree, has possessed the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and the cardinal virtues of prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. So has this person lived out the faith as best he or she could and shown um, as you said, you know, the love of God in, in her, his life, has he shown, has been temperance there, fortitude, has been just, has, has the person acted justly? So that's when you become, you're declared venerable. And then you get to blessed, 
Now, blessed is all of that. Uh, it's really mean blessed means worthy of belief. Worthy of belief. So that's the beatification service that I attended in Lyon in May. To become blessed, you need to have one miracle performed by the intervention of the person involved. So there was one miracle that happened because of, of uh, Pauline Jericho's intercession. And um, that's another little story which we might have time to go into. Uh, wonderful story, beautiful. And because of that, then she was declared blessed. So the final stage to become a saint is you need a second miracle, a second miracle. And then the church will say this, this, this is uh, certainly as a saint. Uh, and that's, that's the final, final process. That's probably in, in brief what happens, but there's an enormous amount of investigations carried out, consultations, and um, many people involved in scrutinizing every aspect of the person's life, all they did and said, um, and then they come to the conclusion, yes, this, this is now, and this is backed up by miracles. One for a beatification and two for canonization. Does that all make sense? Yes, Father Anthony. We, we've got a caller on uh, right now. I, be, I believe it is this Augusta from Cambridge. Hello. Yes, it is. Oh. Hello. Hello, Father Anthony. Can you hear Augusta? I can hear Augusta. Hello, Augusta. How are you? Hello, Father Anthony. Uh, it's just that I was going to uh, make my will out. Yes. And I made a will out, you see. And then uh, one of my, I've got five nieces and one nephew. Yes. And my sister, who's still alive. And um, she's older than me. And um, one of my nieces said that to leave money to the family just causes a uh, fighting among the family. And I'd be better if I left it to the charity. Yes. So the thing is, I thought I'd leave it to a number of Catholic uh, charities. Yes. And I'd like to be in contact with you to know uh, the addresses. I want to send it to the top of yes. the of the mission. I'd right. like to send something. I don't know how much I have. Yes. And I have well, to find that out first. I have to go to my bank. And that's a difficulty because I haven't been to my bank for a few years. And I changed addresses, and they don't have my new address, and I have to go and give them my new address. Yes. Thank you, Augusta. Well, so, uh, Father Anthony, is is there? A, let's can we share with uh, Augusta and any listeners that might be interested in learning how they can support Missio? Is there a website well, where 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 can they find out that information? Uh, if you, if you go to our website, which is missio.org.uk, so just missio, M-I-S-S-I-O.org.uk, uh, then you'll get the whole website there. It talks about all our work, gives stories of the impact we have across the world and um, opportunities to, to give, to donate. And um, just, to, just to answer Augusta directly, uh, of course, if you decide to do that in consultation with your family and this is what you really would like to do, then you can write to us and we can um, uh, be in, in touch with you should you want, if you want to. But that's from the website. You get all the information there. So, um, Augusta, um, can I uh, can I take you, this conversation off air and I can get your address and I can help send over some of that information to your correct address about Missio? I can, Augusta. I will. I will. So just hold on a second, and I'll be right back with you to help you with those details, okay? Okay. Right, hold fine. on, my dear. Hold on. 
Oh, Father Anthony, we have run out of time. It's been lovely oh. hearing about Pauline uh, and, and a, such a witness and such a lovely, inspiring way for us, especially as the parishes are opening back up. Listeners, don't go out and make huge things yet. Why not start with maybe those 10 prayer group people and see how that can grow from there? Wonderful. Uh, Father Anthony, could you say one final prayer for our listeners and perhaps uh, have uh, Blessed Pauline intercede for us? I will. I'm going to say the prayer that we, which is dedicated to Blessed Pauline Jericho. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God our Father, we give thanks for your servant, Blessed Pauline Jericho, who through her commitment to the gospel, and passion for mission began the work of Missio. Despite carrying many crosses, she never closed her heart to the needs of the poor. Following the example of your son, fortified by a life of prayer and nourished by the Eucharist, she helped to build your kingdom of justice and mercy. May we, like Blessed Pauline, share our faith humbly and charitably, and through prayer and action, work together to make your love known to all of creation. And so grant through her intercession the favor I now ask you. Let me just pause for a moment and please ask Pauline Jericho for any petition that you have to to offer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, yes, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, thank you, Father Anthony. And thank you, Helena. Thank you, all, all the listeners. Thank you. And thank you, Missio. And we look forward to having you on again closer towards October, I think, if, 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 if you're up for it. <laughs> I'm ready. Anytime, Helena. Oh, God bless, Father Anthony. God bless. Bye-bye.